is coming up now on Established in the Faith. Faith in the cross. Faith in what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary, my friend. You ain't got to worry about a flat tire. You ain't got to worry about the engine giving out of gas. You ain't got to worry about any of those things. You place your faith in the cross of Christ, and my friend, it will get you there. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Move down, if you will, to verse 31. Genesis 37, beginning in verse 31. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goat's and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him, Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, I will go down to the grave under my son mourning. Thus his father wept. For him, and I want to stop right there and use for a subject this morning, preaching just a few minutes Jacob's great test of faith. Jacob's great test of faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne of grace today. I thank you for this opportunity to stand before the people, and to minister your word. Lord, I thank you for every person that has gathered here today and others that may be listening by radio as well. Lord, I realize this morning on the other side of this microphone there are many needs, Lord. There are hearts that are broken. There are questions, Lord, that only you can answer. Lord, there may be some that are ready to give up. They're ready to quit, for, Lord, life has come at them hard, and they have questions today. And by some chance, they have flipped across the channel, and they're listening to this today. Lord, I ask for your anointing today. 
Help me, Lord, to rightly divide this word of truth. Anoint the people today to hear and to receive of your word. Lord, that we might be drawn closer to you. Lord, that the questions might be answered. Lord, that the needs of the people might be met here today. And Lord, we are careful to give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. I don't think we realize the magnitude of the trial, the test that God allowed Jacob to go through. To lose a child, that's one thing, but to lose a child in such a manner to know that your child died such a violent death, torn apart by a wild animal, or at least that's what Jacob was led to believe. I can't imagine such a thing. They never found a body. There was not a funeral. There wasn't any closure, if you will. And having to live with that. No doubt there were a lot of questions in Jacob's mind. No doubt the guilt overwhelmed him at times. I wonder today how many in this service, how many listening by radio, you know of which I speak. You've lost a child. And here's the thing about Jacob. God had spoken to him on several occasions. And for years, he asked God these questions. And God never answered him. His questions were never answered. But I submit to you this morning, Jacob never gave up. He didn't give up faith in God because of his questions. And I'm here to tell you today, you may have questions today. Life may have come at you hard, and you've got questions. If you'll keep the faith, if you'll stay the course, let me tell you, one day you will stand before him and he will answer your questions, and you will be satisfied. Are you hearing me? Glory to God. Jacob never lost faith, but God allowed his faith to be tested. Why would God allow someone to be tested to such an extent? Understand this today, ladies and gentlemen. The greater the faith, the greater the test. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me say that again. The greater the faith, the greater the test. And some of you today, you've got questions. Things did not go the way you thought they should have. And you've got questions. 
and you've prayed to God, you've asked God, and He will not answer you. And you're devastated, you're sick inside. And you don't understand why God has tested you to such an extent. Why will God not answer me? Let me tell you this. When the teacher gives the test to the student, the teacher is always quiet. Let me say that again. When the test is being given, the teacher is always silent. Now, the test is not so much to show God anything because God already knows. The test is always to show us something. God's trying to show us something about ourselves that we did not realize. And God wants to address that particular area. So he allows the test. First Peter chapter 1 verse 7. The Bible says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. All faith has to be tested, and great faith has to be tested greatly. And our faith is likened unto gold. There's what is known as fool's gold. It has all the outward properties of regular gold. And to the untrained eye, you would get it and you would think you've hit it rich. But when it's tested... When it goes through a trial of fire, when that fool's gold is put in the fire, it turns black like a piece of coal. But the real deal, the real gold, when it's heated, when it's put in that fire, it will maintain its luster and its color, and it'll stay there. Your faith will be tried and tested in the fire to see what it is. Is it real or is it not? And your faith is more precious than gold. Gold will perish. But your faith, your faith, listen to me, your faith is the only thing that is going to get you into heaven today. Your faith is the only thing that will keep you out of the flames of hell. But now, faith has to have an object. All faith has an object. Every one of you here today, you drove a vehicle 
or rode in a vehicle to this service today. Your faith was in that vehicle to get you here. I had faith in my car last night to go to a band competition. We got there, we saw the competition. Oh, but when we got back to the car, started it up, went to pull out on the road, and oh no. For those of you wondering, that's a flat tire sound. <laughs> So we get out of the car and we look around in the dark and found the culprit and you know the deal. You open up the hatch and you get the jack out and you commence to changing the tire. I had faith in that car, but it let it let me down. Oh, but let me tell you something. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary, that faith will not let you down. Faith in the cross faith in what jesus christ did for us at calvary my friend you ain't got to worry about a flat tire you ain't got to worry about the engine giving out of gas you ain't got to worry about any of those things you place your faith in the cross of christ and my friend it will get you there you've got to maintain your faith in the finished work of christ because your faith is the only thing that's going to get you there, but it has to be in the right thing. And Jacob's test of faith was along these lines. The cross. Now, Jacob didn't know anything about the cross. It would be many, many, many centuries down the road. But... When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God pointed to a Redeemer who would come and save mankind. Genesis 3 and verse 15. That is the first verse in the Bible that points to the cross. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The promised seed, the redeemer of mankind. This started the birthright of the firstborn male. It would be through, it was thought to be through that firstborn male that the Redeemer would come and they were entitled to more of the family inheritance. They were looked at as the priest of the family. When you go to chapter 1 of the book of Matthew and you read down that list of names there, Matthew chapter 1, you're reading the names of individuals that were in the lineage of Christ. These are individuals that had the birthright. These are individuals that played their part in bringing forth the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something today, what an honor that was. 
what a privilege it is to have a part in bringing forth the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of you in this place, every one of you in the parking lot, by radio, the internet, you have a spiritual birthright. And see, every one of those individuals in Matthew chapter 1, their names are forever recorded in the Word of God. That birthright has eternal consequences to it. And you have a spiritual birthright. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've done. But today... If you place your faith in the finished work of Christ, Jesus Christ will save your soul. You can be born again of the Spirit of God, and you can play your part in bringing forth the Lord Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. Glory to God. That is your spiritual birthright today. When Jacob was a little boy, he was born a minute too late and a birthright too short. Esau was born first. And Jacob's hand was upon the heel of Esau when he was born. But Esau had the birthright. But Jacob wanted it. The prophecy had been given that the elder shall serve the younger. They knew that Jacob was to have the birthright. But Isaac ignored all of that and tried to give that blessing to Esau. And I won't go through all the details of that. But Jacob wound up getting that birthright. And Jacob did not want to make the same mistake that his father made. So he wanted to make sure which one of these sons is to have the birthright. Now... This really wasn't a hard decision because Jacob's sons, they were wicked. They were evil. They were ungodly. Jacob had a daughter. Her name was Dinah. She went out to a party. And the young men of one of the young men of the village took advantage of her and raped her. And when word got back to Jacob's sons, they were not happy about this at all. And there was a meeting between the leaders of the city and Jacob, and his sons were there. And the young man loved Dinah, and he wanted to marry her. And the men of the city, they wanted to intermarry with Jacob and his family. And 
Jacob's son stepped up and said, no, this thing cannot be. We have been given the right of circumcision and we cannot marry outside of our own because of this right that God has given us. But if you be circumcised, then we will give our daughters unto you and your daughters unto us and we can intermarry and everything will be fine. And the men agreed. And the circumcision took place. And while the men were sore, the sons of Jacob went in with the sword and killed every man in that village. Took advantage of them while they could not defend themselves. Took of the spoil, took their wives, took their children's captive as slaves. History does not record a more atrocious act than what Jacob's sons did. They were evil, wicked. You think of that, and and now I'm going to tell you something that's really going to shock you. They were the church of that day. Now I want that to sink in. They were the church of that day. And they were responsible for the murder of hundreds of men. They were guilty. How guilty is the church today? I'm not talking about murder as you think of such physical murder, but I'm talking about spiritual murder. More people have gone to hell today because of the church than beer, alcohol, drugs, or anything else. How can that be, Brother James? Because the church is not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is not dealing with sin as it ought to because we're afraid we might offend somebody. This gospel of Jesus Christ deals with sin. And sin has to be addressed. But... God help us today, you don't hear anything about sin in the church anymore. Nothing is wrong anymore. Just anything goes. The gospel addresses sin. And if the preacher is preaching the gospel, then he will address sin. If your preacher is not preaching against sin, you don't have a preacher. You've got a hireling. The church is guilty today for not preaching the truth. And people are going to hell today left and right because of it. The church of that day was responsible for the murder of hundreds of men 
And the church today, sadly, regrettably, it ought not to be this way, but we are guilty as well if they're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me move on. These sons were evil. They were wicked. It wasn't hard to come to the conclusion that Joseph was the one who was to have the birthright. So he made a coat of many colors and he gave it to Joseph to wear as a sign to his brothers that he had the birthright and they hated him. Oh, they hated him that much more now. And one day they looked and they seen him coming afar off. And they concocted this scheme. And when he came near unto them, they jumped on him and they attacked him and they beat him up. Threw him in a pit. Sit down just a few feet away and eat a hamburger. While he's over there screaming and crying for help, they sit down and eat. How wicked is that? How hard-hearted is that? He had some evil brothers. Oh, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to show you the grace of God now. As evil and wicked as these brothers were, one day, when you get to heaven, and you stand before one of those gates of pearl. You're going to see their names written on those 12 gates. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. God can change you, sir. God can change your life. He loves you today. And I don't know what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. If you'll give your heart to him. Today, he will write your name down in that Lamb's book of life. Glory to God. They beat Joseph up, throwed him in a pit, sit down, eat a hamburger. And while they were sitting there, they saw this band of Midianites. They were heading down into Egypt and they said, hey... What profit is it if we leave Joseph in this pit? We can sell him to these people right here and make some money off this deal. And so that's what they did. They sold him. And down into Egypt he went. They took that coat. They killed a kid of the goats. Took the blood. Dipped that coat of his in that blood. And then they carried it to Jacob and said this we have found tell us now whether this be thy son's coat or no and he knew it he knew it was his son's coat and the thoughts that come up in his mind Some wild animal has torn him apart. He's been devoured. I imagine he fell down to his knees and he took that 
coat and he clutched it up to his chest. My son is gone. My son is gone. Why, Joseph? I could understand if it was Levi or or Simeon or Judah. They're evil. They're wicked. They they participated in that murder. I could understand if if they had been torn apart by a wild animal. But why, Joseph? Why the chosen one of God? His life cut short before he could fulfill his purpose in life. And the guilt. If I hadn't sent Joseph out, he'd still be alive. Are you getting it now? Do you understand the trial that Jacob was going through? Some of you in this place, you've been through a similar trial. You have a lot of questions, and there's no answers. Joseph got down into Egypt. Pharaoh had a dream. And he brought in his soothsayers and magicians and pronosticators and all this kind of thing and told them the dream and they could not interpret the dream. And word was told Pharaoh that there's a Hebrew He can interpret dreams. And they brought Joseph in before Pharaoh. And you all know the story. Pharaoh told him the dream and Joseph gave him the interpretation of the dream. Seven years of harvest of plenty is coming and then there's going to be seven years of famine. And upon hearing that interpretation, Pharaoh made Joseph the governor over all of Egypt. And for the next seven years, Joseph gathered up all the harvest and he put it in storehouses. And after the seven years of plenty, the famine hit. It was awful. Word got around that there was food in Egypt and people started coming from all around into Egypt. And one day, Joseph looked up, and there stood his brothers. Twenty years had passed. Now, people can change a lot in twenty years. I'm twice the man I was when I married Dana 26 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> 26 years ago I had hair Where, why do you wear that old big cowboy hat brother James it's cause I ain't got no hair 
makes me feel better. I don't know if it makes me look any better or not, but it makes me feel better. So, But people can change a lot in 20 years, and Jacob's brothers looked at Joseph, and they absolutely had no idea who he was. But he recognized them. Now, Joseph had forgiven his brothers. Evidence is by his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. One means God has caused me to forget the toil of my past. And the other one means God has caused me to be fruitful. And my friend, let me tell you this today. If you harbor unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody else, for whatever reason, you cannot be fruitful until you forgive that individual, whatever it is they've done. But now, Joseph had forgiven his brothers, but I want you to understand, he didn't go run, jump in their lap either. He didn't go up right away and say, hey, I'm Joseph and hadn't seen you in a long time. He kept his distance. Because let me tell you this, you can forgive somebody for what they've done. And you can forgive them and you can love them. You can love them way over there. And sometimes the further away over there they are, the more you love them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know somebody agrees with me. But you better mind how you reestablish fellowship with someone after they've hurt you. Because unless they've changed... They'll hurt you again. Are you hearing me? So Joseph tested his brothers to see if they had changed. And the last test that he gave his brothers, they came and Benjamin was there. They all sit down at the table and they eat. And Joseph gave word to some of his servants to take his silver cup and put it in Benjamin's sack, fill it up full of grain, put it in the sack, and send them away. And they left. And as soon as they got out of the edge of the city good, Joseph said, I want you to go after them now and accuse them of stealing my silver cup. Let's see what they say. And they caught up with them. Why have you stolen the silver cup? We ain't stole no silver cup. We don't know what you're talking about. If you find a silver cup among any one of us, let him die. And they opened up the sacks and it was found in Benjamin's sack. And Judah was responsible for Benjamin. He swore to his father Jacob, I will bring him back to you. Let a curse be upon me if I don't bring him back. And now they stand before Joseph once again. And Judah 
the one who had suggested that Joseph be sold into Egypt as a slave. He makes the most impassioned plea for his brother, Benjamin. Take me instead. Let me pay the price. Let me bear the burden. And upon hearing those words, Joseph knew that his brothers had changed. And he revealed himself. And you can imagine the look on their faces when they realized that this was Joseph. And he told them, he said, what you did, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for the good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and I want you to bring Jacob down here. Bring all your family down here. Your, your family, your, your little ones. Bring the whole crowd down here. Because I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> Glory to God. He sent them back with some of the finest chariots in the world. Pulled by some of the prettiest horses in the world. And when Jacob's sons walk into the house and Jacob is standing there in the kitchen, they said, Dad, we need you to sit down a minute. We've got something we we got to tell you. And Jacob sit down. And they said, remember back 22 years ago when the servants came in with that bloody coat? He said, yes. Well, we sold Joseph into Egypt. And we killed a kid of the goats and tore up the coat and made it look like he had been torn apart by a wild animal. And I can imagine Jacob's like, you did what? Evidence is that he fainted. He passed out on the floor. And when his strength came back and he came back around, they said, sit down here again. We got something else we want to tell you. And he's like, oh me, what is it now? They said, Joseph is still alive. <laughs> Glory to God, Joseph is still alive. He couldn't believe it. But when he looked out the window and he saw those beautiful chariots and those horses, he knew. And they packed up everything. And they went down into Egypt. And Jacob stood before Joseph. And all of his questions were answered. And you, my friend, if you'll keep the faith, one day you too will stand before our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can ask him your questions. 
and he'll give you an answer and you will be satisfied. today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.